Hello, hello, hello. Yes, on. Good morning. Shepherds, to be preaching for the first time this year. I'm very excited. I'm sure they'll sort that out. Just, uh, just some more information about our groups. Um, you know, you come to the beginning, everybody. Every time, guys, this thing. Check, old batteries, school. Batteries. Every time you come to the beginning of a new year, it's like, hey, you know what, the new year, I mean, if, if, whether we do or don't do some New Year's resolutions, it's like we're going to do this thing right. This year we're going to start properly. We're going to change church. That's the first thing. We think changing church is going to change everything. It's the inside that needs to change first, just uh, by the way. But, but uh, then what we do is we think, hey, you know, we're going we're to do this thing right with God. I said, tell you a great way to start the new year is to do an R group. Because in the R group, what happens is, and especially with men, we learn to listen. We teach you to listen. Teach you what to listen for when people tell their real story, not their testimony, not their highlights package, their real story. We teach you to ask questions. Men, you know when we've got all the answers? Not cool. We've got to ask questions. We've got to ask questions and allow God to bring the answers. And we learn to be vulnerable. If we want to grow, you will grow directly proportionally to your degree of vulnerability. You will never grow beyond your, your, your degree of vulnerability in, in a context. If you're not prepared to share who you actually are with God and with others, you'll never grow. And what our groups do, it teaches us, it gives us a little snippet with six to eight other men or women, we do men and women separately, and we teach you those things so that you can begin the journey with God. And what happens is you tell your story and then you, and then you do another one and you tell your story again. You realize, oh my gosh, I forgot that. Actually, that was important. That, was, that shifted something in my life. And God does it, takes another layer of the onion. And, so, and then what happens is you realize, you know what? Actually, it's not just about me and me and my story and me coming right. Actually, I'm going to do another our group even because actually when I do another one, it gives somebody else a chance to tell their story. It's not just about me. And this is what we're wanting to do with our group. So Mark Wilson and Heather have got the sign up boards for the ladies and for the men. Sign up, guys. Ladies, get your man to sign up. I know what men are like. Ah, oh, man, it's like that's for chick stuff. No, it's not. It's for you stuff. It's for you stuff. Do that thing. It will change your life. I've done multiple of those. I've done five or six of them. I tell my story. The leader of the church tells his real story with his real pain and real struggles from boyhood into lifehood and into ministryhood and into todayhood with the people. We're not, we're none of us are exempt from actually sharing our life story and our, what God's wanting to do with us, friends. It is a key, key, key time. It's not going to do everything for you, but it's going to start you on your journey of God doing something amazing in your life. So sign up. Got the message, eh? Okay, cool. You know, you kind of, also, you come to the kind of the beginning of the year, and um, I've got all sorts of things. Isaiah 54 is burning in my heart for us as a church this year. 
And uh, I thought, should we do Isaiah 54? And I've got all sorts of things. I want to catch you up on all sorts of things for happening, buildings, and what are we doing, and how, and where, and what's happening. I thought, no, 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 no. Let's, start, let's not start with what we're going to do and what our plans are. What, let's, let's start with the kingdom of God. Let's start with the Beatitudes. Felt God talk to me about the Beatitudes when I was on, on, on holiday. So if you can turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 5. I want to I lay a, a foundation. If I was going to uh, put a title to this preacher, it would be starting on the right foot. Getting onto the right foot. Starting front-footed. Getting, putting, putting the right thing in place before anything else. Matthew chapter 5. This is what it says. Verse 1. Now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him and he began to teach them. And we know that chapter 5, 6, and 7 is the Sermon on the Mount. And in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus explains to his disciples about the kingdom of God. And he, and he describes how different the kingdom of God is to every other religious system, political system, worldly system that you can ever come across. And he goes through a whole lot of examples about how you, how you be generous in the kingdom, how you pray in the kingdom, as opposed, opposed to the Pharisees and their pray, prayers. What you're meant to be in the kingdom. It's like you're meant to be a city of light. You're meant to be salt and you're meant to be light. And he goes through a whole lot of stuff. Teaching them about the kingdom of God. He's teaching about this new way of life and the new way of thinking and the new way of processing life. This kind of understanding, this shift of understanding. That's why repentance is such a big word in the kingdom of God. Repentance, remember, I keep saying this, it's, repentance is not about saying I'm sorry. Repentance is about getting revelation about who God is and who you are and what He's doing, and then you may have to say I'm sorry. When you realize, oh my gosh, I wasn't doing that. I didn't know that, Lord, sorry. And then the adjustment comes, but without the revelation, there can be no, without that truth hitting our heart, there can be no freedom. There can be no change. It's truth that sets us free. And so unless that truth comes and settles in our hearts, it doesn't change us. And Jesus is trying to put this kingdom truth into their lives up front, which I'm hoping he will do this morning through my words. And he carries on. And he began to teach them. He said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs will be the kingdom of heaven. I'm going to stop there. I started reading these Beatitudes. 
And I started realizing as I, as I read them, I realized actually it's an amazing thing. You, many people kind of exegete that differently and break it into sections and kind of do the progression and all those sorts of things. But when I looked at it, I thought actually it's an amazing thing. It kind of accounts for all of life. It accounts for those that feel like they're nothing. It accounts for those that are mourning and grieving. It accounts for those that have been misunderstood. It accounts for those that think they're doing the right thing, but they get persecuted. It accounts for those that are completely trying to get involved with bringing people back together again, and they end up getting ganged up against by those they're putting back together again. It's like I realized there's this, it's an amazing thing. In there, it's all of life. There's something for all of us in, that, in, those, in those Beatitudes. And what happens is so often we read them as the how-tos to get to inheriting the earth. We've got to do this and do that. It's, kind of, it's a new kind of legalism, which I don't think is anything what Jesus intended. We kind of read them as conditions for God's approval. Completely not what Jesus is trying to say. Jesus is trying to say, all of you that think that you don't qualify for this kingdom, you do. None of you are excluded. None of you are disqualified. Because the thing that qualifies you is not the thing that you're doing. It's him. It's the king. So if you can get hold of the king, mourning can turn into comfort. Loss can turn into comfort. He's trying, to, he's trying to show them that actually everybody gets in to this kingdom. He's trying to clarify his basic fundamental message that the kingdom of God is here, that God's rule and righteousness is here and available to all who rely on King Jesus. Everybody. The kingdom is for everyone. The religious system of the day excluded many different kinds of people. If you were diseased, it excluded you. If a woman was in a period, she had to go out there for a time. If you were poor, you had to wonder, was God with you? If you were weak, surely God was not with you. If you were worthless, who are you, man? Jesus has come to say, the kingdom of God is for everybody. And all of us at some stage in our life fit into one of those categories of the Beatitudes. trying to break down the barriers of the blessed and the unblessed or the perception the pecking order 
that what we perceived of those that are blessed and those that are unblessed. Blessed, what does blessed mean when he speaks about blessed are? Well, it means simply this. It's, it's this kind of highest type of well-being for human beings. Or you could say, um, Scott McKnight says this, it's God's favor is upon you. Blessed, that's what blessed means. Deeply satisfied are you when you're poor in spirit. Deeply satisfied. It's this, it's this understanding that actually you have something on the inside, not just on the outside. You have something from God. There's this favor from God on you. It's this well-being, it's this understanding, it's the thing that the world is continually looking for in all the wrong places. They don't understand it's not a place you find it in, it's a person you find it in. His name is Jesus. And so what I did, is I thought I want to unreligious this thing, dereligiousize, if that's a word, the the. the the Beatitudes. So I wrote my own version. This is the Stan's version of the Beatitudes. It's not a translation. So don't get your knickers in and not, hey Stan, you can't rewrite the Bible. I'm not. I'm doing like a version, like a translation, like Eugene Peterson. And I'm not Eugene Peterson either by any stretch of the imagination. In a moment, I was lying in my bed and I just wrote these things. Just Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. This is what I wrote. Listen to me now. Because some of you are here that need to hear this. Listen to the Holy Spirit. Listen to Jesus. He's speaking to you. Those that feel like you have nothing to offer God, you're ripe to walk into profound God opportunities. Those of you that think you have nothing to offer God, you are ripe to walk into profound God opportunities. You see, he says this. He says you've got to be poor in spirit. He says you've got to be surrendered. This kingdom requires you to be surrendered to the king. There cannot be more of you and less of him. It's got to be more of him and less of you in this kingdom. You've got to be emptied. You've got to have hands open in this kingdom for you to take hold of God. If your hands are full of something else, you can't take hold of God. When you think you've got nothing to offer God, that's when you're ready to walk with God. When you think you've got nothing, you think, actually, God, you know what? You can't use me. I'm useless. But you keep your faith and you keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. Friends, I tell you, that is when the kingdom of God is yours. Nobody is disqualified. Do not start this year off thinking, God can't use me. Do not start this year off thinking, actually, the kingdom of God is for those guys that preach. It's not for me because I live on the street. Or I don't earn a certain income. I want to tell you the, 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 the mantra of the kingdom of God from Christ's own mouth 
was that you wrap when you're ready, when you understand it's not about me, it's about him. An evangelist went uh, to his first crusade, the story goes, overseas, and uh, he went to the crusade and he called the sick to the front. He wanted to pray, to f- pray for the sick. He wanted to see people getting healed and saved. And to his profound sadness, nobody got healed. He got before God and said, God, where are you? Why did you, spend, why did you make me spend all this money to go to another continent to pray for people and to see people saved and then you don't do anything? He felt God say this to him. Now that you've finished working, watch me work. Pray for the people again. And many people got healed and many people got saved. You know, friends, the process of emptying ourselves before God is a painful, difficult one. But we cannot get the kingdom of God. We cannot get into the kingdom of God as profoundly as God wants us to if we don't. And can I just say, you need people to help you to do that. Because you think you're empty, but you're not. You're full of it. Nor are we meant to go around like worms and like, oh, I'm just a worm, Lord, I'm nothing. No, that's pride, that's self, that's, that's false humility. That makes you insecure and childish, easily defeated. He's talking about somebody that knows who they are and knows who he is and they can walk with humility and a childlike faith of dependence on their father. That's what he's talking about. Let's start the year there. Let's start the year knowing I need other people. Let's start the year knowing actually I need God. And we all know we'll never, none of us will ever say, no, I don't need God. That are believers. But we live as though we do. As though we don't need God. That's why we need people. You know my car? I had fun with my car this holiday. I was, it rained for a solid week in Richmond. There was mud everywhere. Like just, I've only got a two by four. I wish I had a four by four, but thank you, Jesus, for my two by four. And, um, but I mean, I got stuck once. Then I thought, no. Nah. I got stuck. I got pulled out by a Toyota. My brother was rebuking me like properly, properly. Like, don't you ever do that again on my farm. Ever, ever, ever. You call me. You don't let anybody else pull you out. Anyway, we got pulled out. So I, I said to my boot, come, let's go. Got back into the car. Went back down to the bottom of the hill just to prove that it was the driver, not the car. <laughs> and we got back up again. All good. But every time I drive that car, because it was a gift to me, I could never afford to drive that car. I know this. I know this. The Father knows what I need and when I need it 
for my good and for his good. Now, let me, let me just say that. God knows what you need and when you need it for your good and his good. Just because it's for his good, it might not be for your good yet. God knows. I don't know how it works, but he knows. The next one is this. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. This is the Stan's version. For those who have suffered extreme loss and are hurting, the Father's comfort is yours. Take hold of his hand. For those that have suffered loss and are hurting, the Father's comfort is yours. Take hold of his hand. Friends, you will not get through this life without mourning at some stage. Without grieving. You'll grieve at your own mistakes and your own sin and your own frailty and your own weakness. You'll grieve at other people's hurting of you. You'll grieve at the loss of loved ones. You'll grieve at so many different... You'll grieve at the world condition of the world, the state of the nation. You'll grieve at so many different things. So many things have an opportunity to break our hearts. But as you see the kingdom of Jesus and you enter into it, Jesus is trying to say, and you learn to live in it and to learn to live with him, you find comfort and slowly but surely your tears turn to laughter. And where there was a devastating end, it turns into a new beginning. It's the way of the kingdom. Don't let grief, don't get loss, don't let pain debilitate you and break your heart so that you never recover. That's not the way of the kingdom. You may need to forgive, which is difficult, but you need to. Because there's laughter on the other side of those tears. Number three. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. This is what I wrote. I mean, you could write this a million ways. This is what I wrote at the moment, in the moment. For those that are highly competent... Instead of outperforming others, prefer, equip, and empower others, and you will gain much more than you ever imagined. For those that are highly competent, instead of outperforming, instead of trying to outperform and reveal yourself and show yourself amazing, prefer others, equip others, empower others, you will gain and achieve so much more than what you ever thought possible. You see, a meek person is a quiet person, a gentle person, a humble person. Meekness does not mean weakness, as the saying goes. Weak, meekness is, even though I know I am strong, I'm still gentle and quiet and humble. 
when I need to be. And I stand up and speak when I need to be. But even when I stand up and speak, I'm humble and confident and bold. I'm not arrogant. You think of the most lethal MMA fighter. For those that don't know what MMA is, that's like mixed martial arts. It's like a big thing. Guys kill each other with as fast as they can in a ring. You can be the most lethal world champion fighter. Have an ability to snap a man's neck in a moment. But when you get home to your child and you put your child in bed and you soothe your child to sleep, nobody would ever say that that man is weak. Let's say he's gentle and quiet and humble, even though he can snap a man's neck. When we have surrendered to Christ totally, we can display some tremendous strength of character and gentleness and quietness and humility. And the promise of God is this, you will inherit the earth. For people that can hold themselves, you will inherit the earth. People that can control themselves can inherit the earth. People that know who they are and whose they are, but they, they can hold their tongue, you'll inherit the earth. The Lord is your shepherd. You will not want. The more competent we become, the more arrogant we can become. The more richer we become, the more we think we know everything. The more, power, more richer we become, the more powerful we become. The more options we have, the more everybody... Friends, we stay humble and gentle. Just because you can doesn't mean you should. Think about others. Think about Jesus. Think about the kingdom way. You'll inherit the earth that way. Do it on your own. You're not going to inherit the earth. Next one. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they'll be filled. This is my version, the stand, standard version, SSV. If you know something is missing in your life, good. Get hungry for more of God, because if you do, He will always give you more of Himself. If you know something's missing in your life, friends, get hungry for God. Don't get hungry for the options of the world. Because God satisfies. The world promises to satisfy. The social media stories promise to satisfy. The sophistication of the world promises to satisfy. It does not. You stay empty. It's only the living stream that Jesus says to the lady at the well, if you drink of this water, you'll never thirst again. It's like we're, trying to, we're thirsty and we're drinking salt water, unless you're drinking Jesus. Hunger for the right things. Put the right things first. 
Priority is putting the right things first, putting the first things first, being satisfied and content with Him. When you know something's missing, what's nice is you know something's missing. That's good. But fill it with Jesus. This year, fill it with Jesus. Fill it with the kingdom. Fill it with people. Fill it with love. Try something different. Expand yourself. Grow yourself. The next one is this. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy, is what the NIV says. My version is this. Don't think your compassionate heart is weakness. Because the loving care of God and people will come your way in its time. Don't think your compassionate heart is weakness. Because in its time, God will show you compassion. Often compassionate people, merciful people, are open to being taken advantage of. It's almost like God says, don't worry about that. Just be compassionate. I'll look after you. Micah 6 verse 8 says this, what does the Lord require of you? I love this text. To act justly, to love mercy. There's four things that actually, actually, four specific things you need to know. What does the Lord require of you? One, to act justly. Two, to love mercy. Three, to walk humbly. And we often forget the fourth one, with God. It's not just to love mercy. It's not just to act justly. It's not just to walk humbly. It's to walk humbly with God. Because God puts everything back into perspective. I love the story of Jim and Elizabeth Elliot. For those that don't know it, a whole bunch of them wanted to preach to a dangerous tribe of headhunters in South America who'd never heard the gospel. And this tribe had a reputation for killing anybody from the outside that came into their midst. But this group of people, driven by the mercy of God, went anyway, Jim and his mates. And they made this decision that when they got there, if they were attacked, they wouldn't defend themselves. They had guns, but they would not defend themselves because it might hinder this tribe from receiving Jesus. And so they went to this tribe, they were attacked, they didn't defend themselves, and they all died. People thought, ah, see what happens. Mercy, don't do that. Miss God. However, Elizabeth Elliot, and then the wives of those men, years later, 
rather than revenge, thought mercy is the way. Why don't we go? So they went. And when they got there, they got an opportunity somehow, maybe it was because they were women, I don't know the, the full story, they got an opportunity to minister to them. And when these, this tribe understood that they killed those men that were their husbands, and those men could have defended themselves and annihilated the tribe with their guns, they realized Jesus is king. And the whole tribe got saved. You see, eventually mercy wins through. But that story is not just a story of mercy. It's a story of the meek will inherit the earth. Because they could have just annihilated them, but they didn't. So a few men died so a whole tribe could get saved. Now that's an extreme story. But it really does bring this, the point home. Mercy and meekness, very powerful. Let this year be one where we trade in mercy. What about the next one? Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. This is my version. If we'll acknowledge and deal with the issues in our hearts, we will recognize God's hand and love in our lives very clearly. If we deal with the issues in our hearts, if we'll deal with the stuff in our hearts, we'll begin to see what God is doing in our lives so much more clearly. If we want to see God, if we want to see God, remember it's the heart that God sees. If we want to see God, remember it is the heart that God sees. It's not about, it's not about perfection, it's about progress. And it's not about a product, it's about process. It's about going on a journey with God and allowing God to purify, to work in our hearts so that we can see more of God. What about the next one? Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. This is my vision. If we want to be recognized as followers of Jesus, then be restorers and reconcilers is a good place to start. If we want to be recognized as followers of Jesus, then being a restorer and a reconciler is a good place to start. They said, are the peacemakers. They'll be called children of God. I wonder, friends, if as believers, we are known by our reconciling and our redeeming and our pulling things together rather than splitting things apart. Whether then God would be known by. He says, actually, you want to be called children of God, begin to make peace. Make peace with each other. Make peace with God. Make peace with each other. So that pe people will call you children of God. Ah, oh, there's a child of God. 
understanding there's a big picture at stake. Not peacekeeping, peacemaking. Peacekeeping covers over stuff and thinks it's going to go away. Put your head in the sand. It doesn't go away. It gets worse. Peacemaking, that's when you get your hands dirty and you, you face the real stuff and it gets dangerous at times. But man, there's reconciliation. There's potentially reconciliation at the end. Last one. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who are persecuted for, of, because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. When we do, when, this is my version, when we do the right thing and it ends up feeling like it's the wrong thing, finding many people's disapproval, remember heaven's approval is all you need. How often does that happen where we step out thinking, ah, oh, this, is, this is the right thing to do, and it just blows back on us. And it, is, it maybe was the right thing to do. Remember, God sees. Blessed are the persecuted because of righteousness. Because of righteousness. Not persecuted because you're a chop. Persecuted because you're full of righteousness. You know? For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. It's amazing the first and the last. The fruit is the kingdom of heaven. The poor in the spirit, those that live surrendered empty lives, kingdom of heaven. Persecuted because of righteousness, kingdom of heaven. Because nothing empties us like persecution. Nothing empties our lives and draws us to surrender than being persecuted for doing the right thing. Because you can justify everything. But Lord, I am, you said, your word says, just relax, dude. It's in my word. Yours is the kingdom of heaven. Trust me for vindication. Trust me to go ahead. Trust me like Jesus. Accused of, shouted at, whipped. Was like a lamb unto the slaughter. Just kept quiet and walked. On the cross, save the whole world. You see, friends, I think this is the good way to start the year be reminded of the kingdom of God and how we process life in the kingdom of God. If we can start there, start with Jesus, start with the king, start on our knees. I love this morning on our knees. Longelo, I don't know what you're saying, but flip, there was a presence of God there. You see, friends, when you, when you, when you make it about Jesus, the king of glory, put your life on him and then begin to do his thing. We don't have to take care of our thing. He does. And I trust we can, we can take hold of that and just, hey Lord, don't, don't think changing the outside is going to change the inside. Not. Don't think earning more money is going to make it better. Don't think changing your job is going to make it better. Changing your perspective of Jesus is going to make it better. Seeing the kingdom is going to make it better. Taking on his truth will take, make it better. In his mighty name.
Amen. Amen. Amen.